Hi, and welcome to Green Planet, the Blue Planet podcast, highlighting artists, teachers, authors, and philanthropists of the regenerative movement, people who are committed to and showcase planetary leadership. My name is Julian Guderlei, and in today's episode, I'm hosting an interview with Paul Samuel Dolman. Paul is an author of several books, including the highly successful book, Hitchhiking with Larry David, and he's the creator and host of the What Matters Most podcast, interviewing the wise and awakened from around the world in an effort to assemble the wisdom essential for our collective humanity to survive and soar. And so with these words, welcome to the show, Paul. Wow, thank you. I like it with that accent too. It really has a beautiful international ring to it. And I'm just so glad to be here and return the, wasn't a favorite, the, I get to do this again. You came on my show, What Matters Most, the podcast, and it was just, it was an incredible experience. So it's fun to do this, to dance again with you. Totally. It's a dance of uh, the minds and also, mm. you know, some of the, the insights and the wisdom that I know you have to share. Um, let's just dive a little bit into into yourself first. Like, you know, you've been you've been in this podcasting experience for quite a while and published a few successful books. How come? Like, what is what has inspired you to 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 know and trust that you're a writer and that you're an author on on that level? Mm, thank you for that great opening. What has definitely led me, at least what I felt instantly when you asked that, was curiosity and curiosity in a multitude of directions, both inward curiosity, like what's going on and how deep, and outward curiosity, like what do you think and others. And the book you mentioned, Hitchhiking with Larry David, and I have some great news to share here. I haven't even shared it on my own show yet. The book has been optioned for a film. That doesn't mean they'll make a film. That just means they're trying to get it together. They have wow. a couple of years. Yeah, it's a great, great opportunity with some wonderful creative people in Los Angeles in the business. So and that even I felt led that day to go hitchhiking in Martha's Vineyard. I don't hitchhike everywhere. I have done it in Switzerland and Ireland and some other cool spots, but I felt led. I stuck my thumb out in Larry David, the comedian who picked up Seinfeld and who didn't pick up Seinfeld, who created Seinfeld and also created a, a highly successful curb. Seinfeld might be the most successful television show ever. He asked me if I needed a ride, obviously I was out there, and we started a very deep and beautiful conversation. I had the courage to ask some questions that kept going deeper, and he had even more courage to answer those questions. Mm -hmm. He even took time, because he said, oh, that's a good one. And when he took time, the very first question I asked that was deep, I wondered if I had offended him, and there was a moment or two where it was uncomfortable. But that started that and I wasn't thinking oh here I'm going to take notes and write a book someone famous I really was just present and it was a part of my life where I wasn't sure what was next I'd been in entertainment and music and some film stuff in Nashville and then branched out in LA it didn't feed my soul I made a bunch of money and then my soul said I'm out and about a year later my personality caught up and yeah. so here I was in Martha's Vineyard trying to get over a girl I loved we had broken up, didn't have our tools. And I was just talking to another human being. And then actually a lot of human beings. I, would, I started to just go hitchhiking and to meet people. It was like this fun curiosity project looking back now. And I met so many great people. I asked questions again, inner questions, outer questions. I asked questions 
of the mystery. In my mystery, I ask people of all walks of life. And then a little metaphysical spark like Prometheus given fire, or he stole it. Maybe I stole it too. I was in a dream the very last night of that summer. And it was an awakened dream. I have a lot more of those now. And in the awakened dream, it was suggested to me in a beautiful theater that I write a book called Hitchhiking with Larry David. And in the dream, I awaken to this reality. Both are real. And I remembered. So I wrote it down and I carried it around for a little while. And a few weeks later, I just started writing. And this beautiful thing emerged. And there was a lot that happened. A lot of work on the linear side and a lot of help from the mystery. And it turned into this huge thing. And that changed my life. And while I was writing books and for a while thinking maybe I need to, you know, be more, you know, I was somewhat ambitious, but in a different way. Mm -hmm. I, my parents, and, and today is their anniversary. They're both gone from this side. They were with me last night in one of those dreams. Today, they would have been their 69th year married, 73rd year together, which is mind boggling. Now they're back in the timeless realm, joined as usual with me and each other. And I came back to visit them and Anastasia Island and realized that they needed help. They were going to have to go to assisted living and they had accepted it. So again, another divine lightning strike. I felt led that perhaps I should be the assisted in the assisted living. So I moved back here. I left Beverly Hills, which wasn't resonating at the time. Anyway, I was going to move to Encinitas, but I felt like, Oh, I'll just take care of what's in front of me. What felt right. And so I came back here where I am still and I spent five years taking care of them, but not like feeding them applesauce, but just becoming their best friend. And my, they became my best friend. It was the best thing I've ever done by a mile. I really got to know them as human beings. I was able to repay a fraction of what they gave to me. That's my real lottery win. And I held both of their hands as they passed to the other side and had, those were glorious and heartbreaking moments. And in that process of those five years, I started to appear, I had appeared before on a lot of media for my books and I got a lot of positive affirmation. Hey, you should have your own show. But I was afraid of it technically, to be quite honest with you. And so I just decided to start slowly interviewing a couple of people I knew, one of my best friends, Catherine Lott, some other folks. But I happen to know some really well-known people like the author David McCullough, America's historian, who's won two Pulitzer Prizes. He's a mentor of mine, Martha's Vineyard. So I was telling him about what I was doing. And he said, well, if you ever want me. And I said, oh, yes. And so he started coming on. And Marianne Williamson was gracious enough to come on. And pretty soon, with those kind of people jumping in, all kinds of amazing other people jumped in, like you. And now we're up to about 700 shows. and we're all over the world. We have this beautiful, huge following. I don't keep track because that's the mind. I'm just, my goal with that is to learn personally, make my guests feel fabulous and whatever comes and share it. And then that part I have no control over either if I have any control over anything, but it's just been the most beautiful thing. And now I have a worldwide tribe of both the guests and listeners and 
I have a Patreon page. So some of my Patreons have become close friends. Shout out to Kim. And she was a close friend too before, big supporter. And this is where I sit today on a gorgeous day in St. Augustine Beach, south of there in Anastasia. Been honoring my parents all day, thinking about the mystery and how beautiful they were and how generous they were to me. Missing them, of course, but yet super grateful, even in this time of transformation, to be here as animated stardust hurtling through space on a giant magnet. So how's <laughs> yeah. that for a little context? I like the context, especially bringing it back to the our green planet, blue planet that, that we are, you know, in, in the middle of vast space. Paul, this is such a beautiful story that you guided us into. And thank you for, 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 share, for sharing a, a few bits um, about how your life started making sense for you in this like shift. I think it's very interesting to feel into your voice there as you're saying, like you follow that kind of guidance and it led you to mm. the best thing you ever did, which is spending time with your parents before they passed and kind of yeah, not just really returning a favor, but like, I mean, even paying them back is a, is a words that, that, you know, um, are probably not even remotely bringing across what it really means to spend time with, with one's parents on that level. So no. I want to learn a little bit more about this let process. Me, let me pause yeah. to have to acknowledge yeah. this. Yeah. The clock as I finished was at 4.44 p.m. here Eastern Standard Time, which is a big archangel number for the metaphysical. But it's also the time of day in which I was born, 4.44 p.m. on April 9th. Wow. And it was the time that my mother passed away on December 7th. And every day at 4.44, I just close my eyes for a second and say, thank you. Thank you for everything. It acknowledges the eternity within me and within them and the temporal time that we, we uh, came together. So once again, you can't even orchestrate that. When I stop, I look at it was 444. Uh, the signs are everywhere if you're looking for them. You don't really have to create it or bend over backwards. I like what Einstein said. The whole thing's either a miracle or none of it is. And I kind of think the whole thing is. Yeah, it, it's the, another quote that I like to, to repeat is, I don't believe in miracles. I rely yeah. on them. Oh yeah, I like that. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah I, it's so intelligent. The whole thing. I can't. Even, can't believe I'm here. And definitely meeting you, right? That there is no control. Uh, my life is showing me that over and over again. And so, mm. one step at a time is really the 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 best kind of um, metaphor to to simplify it. But you mm -hmm. you already kind of answered the question I wanted to ask, which is more about this form of guidance. And so, uh, you were pointing towards. Uh, this whole thing is so intelligent, meaning life itself, right? And so we're mm -hmm. in a very interesting transition at the moment uh, with the um, coronavirus, COVID-19, literally getting billions of people around the world to, to slow down, to uh, be challenged with, with change, but then also to start listening maybe a little bit more to, to, to this guidance or these inner voices or the, simply this, this purpose, this calling for purpose that is in all of us of like, why are you here? And like, what are we doing on this planet? Mm -hmm. um, and I know you have a lot of wisdom to share on this. So maybe, maybe I'll just pass it back to you to just dive in deeper into this understanding of purpose, what purpose really is and how we can follow guidance and um, this, these voices and signs of guidance. Mm, you set the table beautifully there, my brother. Uh, what I've done the last few years, and, it, and I keep honing it, is just very acute awareness. It's not intense. It's a relaxed awareness of the moment. And, of course, you come and go. Your mind starts wandering. But more and more, just bringing it back, 
practice training, creates neuroplasticity for those listening who love science, so they don't think I'm just a breatharian or anything crazy. Your neural network's developed for this, so your access strengthens. And I'm constantly asking, what do you want me to do next? Now, I, we planned this a week ago, and I scheduled podcasts, or if I had to you know, meet a friend for lunch, I'm not just on the win, but I leave a ton of open space, and I just keep listening. What next? What next? So it takes the pressure off, and I don't need to figure anything out. And I'm just showing up over and over again, and it's been pretty magical, and, and it keeps honing or I keep honing my alignment to it. Obviously it's infinite, perfect the way it is in its polarity here. Just, we'll get back to polarity later. I'm really on polarity a lot since I live in polarity with all of you listening. In fact, the whole universe. So surrender a purpose. Purpose is whatever you want it to be. I don't know if we find purpose. I think we create purpose. Now this infinite miracle keeps inviting us. Our soul keeps trying to rig the game. So we do find what it, well, I would say what resonates high, brings um, coherence with our higher realms. It's trying to help us while we have free choice. And when we get off in the lower realms, what happens? We suffer, we suffer. So that's the warning system. Otherwise, how would you ever know? I might've spent 80 years in accounting and then realized on my deathbed, I hated it. But no, I know when I'm off. And the more you get pure with diet, I don't drink alcohol. And I'm not professing anyone else that has to do that. The more everything is geared around clarity, not medication. So you're clearer, clearer. I meditate mm -hmm. still. I'm aware. I'm here. I don't have to be anywhere else. And I couldn't be anyway. So what would the point be? clarity. And then the purpose is, I think that's my purpose. I just popped on that. Being present as a loving awareness with healthy boundaries on the linear polarity level. Here I am. And, and then always being authentic. I didn't prepare for today. I'm just going to be me. I don't prepare for my show really, other than maybe read a bio and, or sometimes the book. Okay, we had to pause the recording there. If I drop out mid-sentence for all of you, now I'm back. And here's the test immediately given. I'm super zen. I'm at one with the universe. And I've had a lot of trouble with the internet here. So it dropped the call and it's done it on some big interviews. I'm human. I immediately felt furious. I could have cussed for about 22 minutes in rage. I felt the reaction. And then I stopped. Because one, it wouldn't solve anything. Two, what a fortunate existence of your biggest problem in polarity is faulty internet. The other that's day when a, I signed my movie, yeah. <laughs> yeah, when I signed my movie deal the other day, I stepped in a huge pile of dog shit. And the dog must have eaten gum and glue because it took everything I could to get it off. <laughs> you might be Gandhi, Martin Luther King, Nelson Mandela, any of these great figures who accomplish a lot. And I can't assume to know what they were thinking. But just go where your heart tells you to go. And yes, you have to pay the bills. So you might have to sweep floors and be Vincent van Gogh and never sell a painting while you're alive. But look at that art. Or you might be the Beatles and have tremendous success. In the scheme of things, it really doesn't matter how much you achieve outwardly, in my opinion. It's how much joy and coherence you have. So I have a different definition of success. Doesn't mean it has to be yours. So for me, purpose is alignment, connection, Ironically, as the internet keeps going down, uh, integrity, authenticity, 
And being authentic to even uncomfortable moments and really upsetting emotions. How can you not be upset watching so much suffering in the world where most of it seems to be created by unconsciousness rather than just inherently? So that would be my answer to your great question. Yeah, beautifully put. And I definitely feel you on, on you know, uh, alignment being a massive part of purpose. It brings me to another question that is somewhat related because of, of what you just said, the unconscious uh, playing itself out. What do you think it would take for humanity to, to learn from its past mistakes? Mm, gosh, no one's asked me that. That's a good one. I would say the first thing, and it's happening right now, because I think the coronavirus, while acknowledging its massive suffering and life forms are dying, which is on the linear level, I miss people that die all the time spoke to my parents earlier. That's hard, but the corona is an amazing opening and an opportunity. The world has had a global pause. And so I think stopping and breaking out of the trance, and not everyone will, but when you stop, throw water on your face, slow down, you have an opportunity to get more conscious and more aware. And so that's what I feel like is what's happening. And hopefully we won't go back to the way it was, which is basically hurtling towards extinction on a linear level, not the planet. The planet's gonna celebrate probably for 100 million years if we either go away or trim down to a, you know, a virus that's not as harmful, which by the way, we're the virus, not the corona. We make corona look like uh, Mother Teresa, what we do to this planet and other species and each other. So I feel like what the remedy would be this is good. I've never thought of this. One, slow down. Everybody connect first themselves and thus the mm. source. Like get online. But totally with, happening right now. Eh? Yeah, so with ultimate spirit. If people remember who they are, all I'm talking about really is just remembering who you are before and now. So if you remember who you are, that you're infinite energy, spirit, whatever, having a linear experience that cannot take any of its material gains beyond this dream then who am I? What am I really? Not even who, who is made up. Then you start to connect and see everything is you and you is everything. It was a great passage in the Bhagavad Gita, which I love. He who sees me in everything and sees everything in me is never far from me, nor I far from him. So you would probably react differently then because the hungry child would be your child. The person who lost their way would be your brother or sister. And maybe if you had a hundred billion, you'd come to realize that you didn't need that much. They're just made up coupons and you'd want to turn it into actual assets. And you wouldn't want to kill the nest or hurt it to the point where it wipes life out for a while or for a long time. So I think that's what's going to have to happen on the metaphysical, on the linear level. We already have plenty of models all over the world that work better than what happens in the United States, which is cruel, unfettered corporate capitalism, socialism for the corporations and the rich, and rugged individualism for the poor. It's the biggest con game ever, but you don't hear about it much because they own the means of communication for the, for the large part. Mm -hmm. So they keep telling you the problem's you, and it's all so great. You know, it's, this is the worst episode of Black Mirror. It's unfortunately, it's hundreds of years old. And obscure reference for those who watch that show. But, you know, yeah. are we going to wake up? Uh, every day 
is a new opportunity for that, both individually and collectively. I tend to both be inherently personally optimistic, but I've also had many a day, weeks, months, years where I don't, not so sure about the human species. And because we live in polarity, I don't think we'll ever create a utopia, but could definitely go a little more on the spectrum up higher. Will we see that? I don't know. We might be in sort of a simulation where this is frontier land. So they kind of don't want the monorail and the, you know, the super advanced thing here. Spirits come here to live in a denser polarity. That could be. But on the personal level, I'm just trying to raise my vibration and raise it wherever I am. Yeah, that's on a personal level, definitely a very good indicator to go. I think on a collective, you're touching on on, on, a, on a very beautiful phenomena of us, you know, coming into this understanding that we are all one, which, you know, I said it on your show uh, when, when, I was, when I was on, I mean, both the peak of our society, astronauts come to that realization and mm. they look back onto planet Earth as well as like the native indigenous tribes around the, world, the, the Earth know of that. There is, um, there is a if kind of, I wouldn't say follow-up question to it, but, you know, somewhat related because you mentioned optimism. Um, and so, like, you said you weren't always as optimistic as you are now. And so my question is, how come that you can now consistently choose optimism while staying informed and acknowledging the pain or the suffering that you, that you mentioned? Mm, great questions that no one asks. This is fun. Well, just for you guys, kids at home, there were years where I didn't want to be on the earth. I was, I'd say suicidal. I never had a plan. I didn't want to kill myself, but boy, I hated it here. It's been a long time from that, but at least I have the great spectrum of contrast. I remember those days compared to uh, now. They were a lot more ego-driven, felt like I had to accomplish a lot. And then ironically, after I did accomplish a lot, I, didn't, I don't feel like I need to accomplish much of anything. And some people could look at what I've accomplished and I haven't accomplished anything. I feel like I've accomplished more than enough and I don't really ever need to accomplish anything again. I never did actually. It was all self-imposed pressure, you know, based on egoic insanity. The reason I've been able to have this shift was a lot of grace. I got to acknowledge that I got lucky. I started to think about meditation, had never heard of it. And then a lady showed up who said, have you ever meditated? We started meditating. So a long time ago, probably 30 years ago, someone told me about a healer, an energy healer. I started going to her all the time, religiously, even though I'm not religious, but it was a discipline. And she became like a spiritual mother. I got some therapy from a couple different people that helped me with a relationship that was dysfunctional, both with myself and with a partner, because I had no tools. And on and on and on. I learned about diet, that eating plant-based, you know, is better for you. I tried it. I felt better. I meditate. That felt better. Exercise. I let go of expectations. It's constant, though, because, I mean, 10 minutes ago when the internet went down, I was ready to, you know, act like Al Capone and just take a machine gun to everything, you know, technical for like a split second. So I have those impulses. They're still there. They just don't run the show. So I have space between stimulus and response through practice. And it's a practice every day. It's a practice. Keep practicing. If I don't practice, if I stopped eating well and sleeping well, I feel like shit. If I stop meditating, I become less conscious. If I stop talking to people like you, I might feel isolated and surrender to a loneliness. So there, it's 
not, life is nothing but a series of choices, moment by moment by moment. I woke up one night in the middle of the night, about a month ago, there was a voice that had somehow magically decided to pitch me the question of four o'clock in the morning. What if we run out of money? Of course, we're not in danger running out of money, but that voice was terrified. Now I could have stayed up all night and worried about it or thought about what might go wrong. But instead I just said, oh, well, we, nothing we can do about it right now. But after our first cup of espresso, we'll call a meeting of all my aspects and we'll deal with it. Go back to sleep. I swear I'll deal with it. And in the morning after the first cup of espresso, I tuned in, I did a little meditation and I addressed that part that was afraid. I heard it. I didn't try to banish it or medicate it. And now it's okay. But it may show up tonight or maybe in an hour on a bike ride or a beach walk. <laughs> you don't know. It's like children. So it's just awareness. Awareness and practice. Practice and awareness. It's a very potent answer you're giving there because I've heard it a few times in the first mm. answer even already where you were mentioning, you know, it's 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 becoming comfortable with the full spectrum of what it means to be human. Mm. So there is space between the stimulus and the response, which of course that makes a lot of sense um, hearing us talk about it. But I think everyone has their own experience level of where that is real. And, and just like, you know, it, it would be pretty hard to, to run a marathon without any training. Um, you know, it's, it's hard to, expect oneself to be perfect or to react in a scripted way when we never train how to be conscious so like practicing awareness being uh, in breath right breathing to believe in and then also meditation i mean they're they're my tools as well um, this is why i teach them because I, I know they work but i i love the way you you put that thank you and it's so funny i'm smiling because for whatever reason i remembered the first time I started to get into the podcasting thing, I decided to confront, but to confront too strong, to dive into where I felt weak. I was afraid of technical and things like that. So I thought I'm going to just build a very primitive website. So I was literally working within the first hour, hour and a half, and I didn't do something right, and I got really mad. <laughs> so I took an immediate time out, and I thought, let's just address the expectation in the room that having never done this ever before, I should magically know how to do it. Who is that guy? Where is he? And from out behind <laughs> the curtain, yeah. the fucking piece of shit perfectionist came out, right? And, and in all due respect, I shouldn't call him that. He came out, it's me, it's me. So I said, what the fuck, man? And then I said, wait, why do I have you? And then he said, I felt like if he, I didn't do anything wrong, I wouldn't suffer. So I'm here to protect you. And unfortunately, I, I used to, I got out of hand. And that's part of the reason why I wanted to leave earlier, my early 20s, is because I wasn't perfect. And welcome to humanity. But perfect aspect, you know, was like, oh. But so you have to be realistic. Sometimes you can step at it. And people are going to let you down. And the things we love most pass away or the people you get older uh the elections rigged or whatever you find out things you wish you didn't know it's life is suffering first noble truth but also i think the next 50 noble truths are it could be really beautiful it's succulent it's great and suffering gives a context and contrast so part of the practice right is to yeah 
to become a master, you first must go through training. You just mentioned something really curious here. Um, <laughs> you might find out things you don't want to know or like elections are rigged or, you know, every human is dealing with this, I am not perfect. And, and so therefore there is like, a, you know, everyone has their own internal feels of where they're either procrastinating or doing a really good job at, et cetera. And so my question here for you is, what does it require for you to, to choose to trust or to experience trust? Would you say that on a personal level or on a glow, on an inherent uh, larger level? Well, I think it's both very interesting to, to understand the process of trust and how uh, trust forms in people and then in society at large. Um, so maybe start with a personal level and then if, if, if it makes sense or if you want to share, I think um, I, I'd be curious to understand on a global level. Absolutely. And I'll even go higher than that or deeper, wider. So on a personal level, I inherently trust people. <laughs> I'm one of those people. If I met you and you came on the show and said you wrote seven books and you did this and I just will believe people because I tend to say what I, you know, is true. So I project that outward. So I'm always kind of shocked when people tell me a meaningless lie that's easily disproved. So I come with a full bucket of trust, but if someone has a problem, you know, can't stop lying, I don't keep looking to them to tell the truth. And then I just basically distance myself. I don't spend time with people I don't feel completely at peace with, not agree with, but you know what I mean, where if I don't, if I feel something's really off, I have enough beautiful folks in my life and I don't mind being alone. And by taking lower vibrational folks that have yet to do the work or wherever they are, they just don't resonate with me. They could be higher than me and they don't resonate. It creates a space for resonance. So on the personal level, there's that. And, you know, I don't give people my credit cards. I'm not an imbecile, but so, but on a larger level, you ask a great key question, a big key question to how I can move through the world like this. Mm -hmm. So how can you just listen to the universe or wherever? How can you have so much trust, right? So then you have to go, well, why do you trust? Well, then it goes to, well, who am I and what can really happen to me? One, I'm an eternal being. I'm an eternal aspect. I'm not even a, like a guy. Uh, or a person, but I am right now an aspect of me and the element part of me fraction is this, you know, configuration right now. Now, while I'm here, if I saw a big shark fan, I'd get out of the water. I wouldn't go in or I would avoid the house that's on fire unless I'm running in to save somebody. And so there's that linear respect for physical caution, but it doesn't keep me from enjoying life because I've made peace with my temporal mortality so I can move through the world just knowing I'm untouchable. I thought the other day, true or false, this is my belief that if I didn't have anything and they would let me in an ashram, I'd be pretty happy. Just, I once lived on one for a while. I didn't want to leave. They had to kick me out because the master thought my place was in the world. So, you know, I was, there's the opposite, right? And went on mm. and did all this stuff. I was just pushing a broom and meditating and eating vegetarian food, I could, having great talks. I felt full. I could go live in Thailand probably for $10,000 a year. I'd be happy. I lived in LA and I was happy. If you can do that, you can be happy anywhere. 
it was kind of an inside joke, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> or, you know what I mean? That's a shithole, but it's also beautiful. So you carry it around with you. Now, if you have a choice to leave a room that's smoky, do it. But if you don't, I always think when I'm in a situation, I can't change. What's it trying to teach me? And you see, if I get that, it changes. What is the lesson? What's the teaching? So everything's a gift, teaching, or both. So, and that's, that's see, I have these paradigms, and that which, that's what makes me feel safe. I feel safe. Uh, I love being alive. Don't get me wrong, I'm not ready to go. But I don't want to suffer or hang on like this is all there is. Or I get stuck here forever. That would be, God, now that sounds horrible, mythologically horrible. So I, I kind of know what I am. And to a degree, I'm a mystery that's timeless and untouchable and it's having an experience. So that said, you know, order the tiramisu if you're feeling it, not every day and dive deeper, hug longer, don't let go. Get in the water if it's a little cool, still get in. Go out if it's a little hot, don't, don't hide away in the shade, you know. Her, uh, one of the great quotes is if, uh, you know, when you look back, don't have any regrets. Don't, I would hate to say later, I, I wish I'd painted with brighter colors and stayed out of the shade. So I want to be out there, not offending anybody, but you can't help that if you step up. You know, you're going to write words. Some people are going to think you're Ernest Hemingway or J.D. Salinger, and other people are going to think you stink. It's the same exact words. No control over that. So it's just you're having an experience. It's beautiful. Try to be loving. Try to be authentic and try to be present. That's it. And listen, listen, listen. Maybe it's time to go. No, I don't want so-and-so to stay with me. Yes, I want so-and-so. Oh, didn't work out. Disappointment. It's okay. Of course you're disappointed. Oh, this happened. It's great. Wow, thank you. This happened. I think it's bad. Uh-uh. But it's just happening. Hmm. Yeah, it's just happening. There's, there is a happening at all times. And then mm-hmm. there is no, no real control. But I think it's very, very interesting to learn to understand which are the, you know, the internal authorities. So when we talk about being authentic, right, people, people like this word, like um, authenticity, I think authentic and authority are, are strongly related in an aspect of language and etymology. And so the internal authority, I'm not talking about an external authority of, of you know, a government or a police guard or whatever, but an internal authority of how we make choices to navigate this listening which mm. part of our inner being we actually consult, which part we, we might have to listen to, uh, like you said in your example a little earlier at 4 a.m. in the morning to just realize, okay, that's there, but that voice is not the internal authority. That voice is just a voice that um, every now and then gives me some information and based on that information, I make a next step, right? But when we learn to understand from where in our experience of the body, if it's the mind, if it's the solar plexus, if it's maybe the gut um, or for other people, the heart from where we make our best choices. And I mm. think what I've learned in life so far is that everyone perceives that quite a bit different. Mm-hmm. So you're welcome to, to, to um, continue to, to share on that. But I also want to know, um, because you, you know, you're talking about like 
the perspective onto the deathbed and like hopefully we're not i'm not going to be looking back uh you know wishing i would have painted with brighter colors but if you were to go the other way right now and you could give your teenage self a piece of advice or like you know everyone who's listening who's who's in that stage of their life what kind of advice would you have given your own younger self at the age of like like 15 16 Mm, I love that question. Well, if I was allowed to tell them what stocks to invest in too, because then I could become, <laughs> I become so rich and then I'd give 99.999% of it away, which I, I wish I had that opportunity, especially with so much material need. You'll never get rid of suffering, but what a waste. But on the personal level, come here. Let me give them a hug and just say, relax. You're way too serious. Enjoy yourself start meditating you're you're fine you've already hit the lottery oh my god you're born to loving parents imperfect loving parents you're taught to read when you're like three or four years old you have a lot of ability you never go hungry there's nothing to worry about just enjoy yourself listen to your heart don't i was pretty pretty good at that i never like to be told what to do rest you know sorry mom sorry dad but i you know, just relax, take the pressure off. And hey, these are the every moments, try to remember as much as you can. And those older folks over there, spend a little time with them, ask some questions, you might want to tape it. And just pay attention, pay attention. And the whole thing they're saying about it going by in five seconds, it's actually more like a nanosecond. Seems like a dream. Get out in nature. I was good at that. Stay out in nature. Be kind, especially kind to women. God, do they have a tough time, you know, in a masculine, toxic masculinity world. Don't rape and pillage metaphorically or in any way. And just be respectful. Be kind. Look to help. Look to serve. Always look to give first rather than get. Don't be a taker. Just look to give. Is any, can I get anyone anything? How you doing? How can I help? And obviously not the expense of your own health or, or well-being, but just look to help, just look to give. And if you do that, if you move through the world that way, you will be beloved and you'll always have more than enough, more than enough. And people, uh, most of them are inherently good. There'll be a lot of hugs out there for you, a lot of bright eyes, a lot of love. And, you know, this is it. Try to savor it. And whatever moment I'm in, I'll never be this young again, ever. Whether it was 15, 40, it's, that's it. What we just now gone, I'll never get it back. And there's a tragic grieving in that. We have enough awareness if we're not medicated at, you know, like crazy to really realize how temporal we are and how, fleeting it is and how it hangs whether it's a virus you can't even see or anything it it's just so so precious and so fragile hey this is it this is it so uh try to be a little compassionate loving and empathetic focus on what matters most connecting make eye contact give people the benefit of the doubt forgive early but some people sadly for where they are need to be kept outside the door outside the fence in a way. But when you think of them, send them love. 
but for the grace of God, go I. If I'd had their childhood or who knows what, I would be them. Mm -hmm. I'm no better than anyone else. I chose, I got lucky. I hit a lot of lotteries this life. So act like a gracious winner. Go out and act gracious. Don't gloat, but act like a gracious winner. Be a good, good winner. Be classy, you know, and look to others as a means of service, not as a means to exploit. What a beautiful answer, Paul. Thank you so much for mm -hmm. that. There's, um, there's one more question I have for you, and I'm really curious about your answer on this one. And I'm not sure if I told you that, but this is, this is really kind of how the podcast started. And it's, it's to do with something I call earth vision or you know, mm. other people might call it that too. And um, earth vision for me is something that I, I like to kind of contextualize into seven generations in the future. As you just said that, you know, life, um, it's like a dream and it's passing by pretty quick from the non-physical perspective. And so if, if we were to zoom out right now on the time span, on the timeline and say, look, the next 200-ish years, seven generations into the future, what is your hope, your dream, your vision for the earth? Mm. Ah, what another beautiful, unique question. I love the earth. My mother, at least of form, carbon, stars, this beautiful ecosystem. I believe it's a super conscious being. Look what it's created. I mean, there were so many birds in the yard today and black snake went by and the squirrels doing their acrobatics. So this earth, oh my God, way out here in the Milky Way. If I'm thinking ahead, and I love the seventh generation thing, which was the Iroquois. Was so brilliant, so beautiful, the native people. I would love to see us come into harmony with both the earth and all these other species. I would hope there would be no more factory farming, that we wouldn't inflict suffering on sentient beings of any kind and then ingest that suffering, that toxic suffering on every level into our body. I would hope that there was a sense that we were of one humanity, like those beautiful aspen groves out in Colorado, which literally communicate with their, each other through their roots, like they did in Pandora, that great movie by James Cameron, uh, that we would come into harmony with Awa, with all things, God, whatever phonetics, and that we'd realize we're different and it would be beautiful, like a field of flowers. And, we just kind of were constantly taking that personal paradigm I had is how do we serve each other and the earth? What would work best? And we would constantly keep honing our technologies to be cleaner and greener, the food we ate, and that we would blend in that what might be called cities or villages were so beautifully designed. If they were in Sedona, they'd blend in differently than if they were somehow in the Amazon, like a native tribe there was vast expanses of space for native populations to re-inhabit the earth with their beautiful ways and also all these creatures. In the meantime, the earth would probably be kicking out some new cool species. The air would be clean. The streams would run clear. It would be beautiful. Would people still die? Yeah. Would there still be accidents? Yeah. Would there still be viruses? Probably, of course. And, pestilence and everything else. 
but we would honor the passage of life and things like that. We wouldn't be afraid of death. And the earth would just be this glorious place and perhaps a beautiful uh, way station for other beings to come and visit and share what they know. The Navy started releasing videos again yesterday of UFOs, which made, didn't even make the news, which mm-hmm. is so crazy. You know, I, we've already know they're out there in infinite ways and forms. So maybe uh, not only a personal collaboration among the earth and its creatures and the um, humanity of man, but other beings, I would love to see that in the next 200 years. I doubt if I'll be here unless they put me in the rejuvenatron from, you know, Ektar. If they throw me in that thing and, you know, make me go back to like 22 years old, but conscious and, you know, that, I hang around, but I don't. I, I wouldn't want the older, barely hanging on life form. I'd be anxious and excited, uh, inspired to see what else there is in the multiverse. So, I, that that's the Earth. I hope. Wow, what an elaborate answer! I love this so much. There's a, there's there's so much in there. You know, you're totally right. We just um, just another unknown flight object video was released earlier this week, right? And so. Mm-hmm. Who knows where this planet is steering us um, towards as, as we're evolving, especially if we're zooming out into seven generations. But that is my, my wish as well, that there is, you know, a lot more joy being lived for everyone and it turns into a planet mm. worth, worth living on for every mm-hmm. being, uh, no, matter, mm. no matter the origin. And, you know, By the way, everything yeah. that is so easily attainable. It's there. It's not like we need to discover any cool invention or do anything. It's all there already. Just have to do it, activate it like a computer or a feature on one's phone. We have that. We have it already. Mm -hmm. Just have to live it out. Amazing. I love this. I love this interview with you, Paul. Thank you so much for Mm. your time, for your insights, for going deep, for sharing about your own story, about your family, about some of the learnings that um you know we we can we can pick up from just an hour of listening to you share that was Mm. an honor thank you i feel the same way those are some of the best questions anyone's ever asked me because they were so beautiful and expanded so so i love what you're doing thank you i love the events the coaching your podcast is fantastic you are a light unto the world you and your partner and it's people like you your generation younger and all over the spectrum that give me fuel. That's the wind that makes my sails feel filled with hope. It isn't just a Pollyanna hope. It's Hmm. seeing people like you and what you're doing. That's what brings me great hope. Thank Thank you. you. That's that's super kind. Thank you so much, Paul. that's that another episode of green planet blue planet podcast i hope you truly enjoyed this one and received some insights knowledge and a form of learning that you can directly apply to your life into your relationships or maybe even into your business and the way you show up for the world because this is a movement and we're all part of it and we're in this together we're here to create a world of a triple bottom line where you win i win and the entire planet wins We're raising consciousness together, and you know that. That's why you're listening. That's why I love you. So make sure to share the love. 
hit subscribe on your favorite podcast app, invite a friend to listen to Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast. And if you have an idea who else you'd like me to interview, make sure you reach out and send me a suggestion. Definitely check out greenplanet-blueplanet.com, the website to the podcast. I've created a lot of different offers for you, free content, free meditations for you to amplify your connection to self, the state of social impact in the world, and for you to connect and listen to who you could support of the people that I actually interview because their missions are ongoing and a lot of them need more collaboration. And after more than 100 episodes now, with some of the world's leading social impact experts, I have synthesized my most inspired learnings and takeaways to create coaching and mentorship programs for you and the people around you. Let me share with you about planetary purpose coaching and mentorship experiences. If you're in a space in your life where you're ready to level up to amplify who you are, what's coming through you and what you're doing to give your gift to the world, then I would love to hear from you and I'd love for you to apply to one of my private mentorships or group mentorships. Last but not least, there's a few different group experiences I host both in person and online. All of them are quantum learning environments and I'm happy to tell you more. So simply inform yourself and stay connected because whatever resonates with you, I'm here to support you and bring out more purpose into the world. And with that being said, wherever you are in the world, make sure to be you, show up all the way, be all in, connect with someone today, make them smile, have yourself a stellar day. Lots of love to you and until soon.